Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Titus here today, your host with William Frolligan from Tetra. You guys had him on here. We talked about it before, talking about it can losing your hearing and shooting guns all the time and loud noises make you get Alzheimer's. So you'll have to go check that episode out yourself. But before we get started, just want to remind you guys of people that are sponsoring this podcast today. We've got you, Kanuba. You know, the dog food that I feed Rocky, 30, 30%, 20% blend, protein and fats, and it's got all the glucosamine and chondroitin in it, which is great for the joints. Also, Heavy Shot, we want to say a big thank you to them for supporting us. And also today, and I haven't even put this out on the podcast, podcast as far as I know, and that is Tetra. Now, if you're looking into saving your hearing, you can put the code in MVM. 10. That's MVM10 and you get 10% off. And I do want to say I thank you and appreciate all you guys that have already used that, just shown your support. And um, I'm pretty sure you guys will be happy with the product that you have. I know I am. So I know, William, your bread and butter is turkey hunting. That's it. Correct me if that's, I'm wrong. That's, that's, <laughs> that is where the teeth cutting takes place in the turkey woods, yes. All righty. So we, we kind of did an introduction with you last time, so we won't even waste any time there. I've got a lot of questions on myself that I want to ask, being this is only the third season that I've ever like specifically tried to go out and hunt turkeys, not just randomly see one and try to make a stock. Like I'm mm-hmm. dedicated to it. So I don't know nothing, basically, is what I'm trying to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I learned a little bit last time. Yeah. But uh, for all the listeners out there, thank you guys for putting your questions in. And I apologize. I didn't even look at Facebook if there was questions on there. 
But I went on Instagram and pulled off majority of the questions that you guys asked. We'll try to cover as many as we can without rushing through them. So this will probably be a little bit longer of a podcast than normal. But uh, one of the questions, we just go ahead and dive right in if you're okay with that, William. Let's do it. Come on. All right. So someone asked the question, what is the history of the beginning of the beginnings of turkey hunting and the roots in American culture? It's kind of a deep question there. Goodness gracious. All right. I'm going to come out with the haymaker first. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there's a, that's gosh, that's a lot to unpack. Um, well, I, it, okay. We'll start here. So it used to be, it used to be not turkey hunting. It used to be turkey killing back before, you know, the times of Teddy Roosevelt when conservation wasn't a thing and everybody killed to eat, which is, you know, what they did. Um, that, that led all the way into the post world war two into the fifties, I would say, um, especially in the South. Uh, and believe it or not, turkeys in North America almost went extinct. Um, like, they were they at a lot of places they were there were no more turkeys because everybody was killing them everybody would kill 40 or 50 in the spring i mean oh man just because i mean and everybody did that there's a lot of different tag like i said they were killing to eat they weren't killing for sport right and so there's a they did it a lot of different ways they would sneak up on them they would call them in they would there's i've heard this tactic colonel tom kelly wrote a book called the 10th legion which is kind of like a Bible for turkey hunters, if you want to call it that. I highly suggest checking it out. Um, but the, the, he talks about a tactic that people used to use in turkey hunting is they used to, they used to get in a ditch, and in the ditch, going out and towards, towards the field or the woods or something, they would dig like a, like a six-inch to a foot hole and fill it with corn. And they would let it sit there for a few days, and then they would go get in the ditch. And when turkeys would come and start eating out of the corn, their heads would line up in the trench. And so you take one shot, you kill a dozen turkeys. Oh, wow. You know, you were fed for a little bit. And so that, that's what they used to call trenching. And that, obviously, that would take a toll on the per- turkey population. But uh, the saving grace for the for the turkeys was the NWTF. Um, they came into, came into existence in the early 70s, I believe, and they started uh, really pushing for conservation for turkeys, and they have done a tremendous job in saving the turkey population and reintroducing it in a lot of different states. Um, their biggest, I would say, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, their biggest success story um, would probably be the state of Michigan. Um, I actually read about it today. I, I refreshed my I'd heard it a couple years ago, but I refreshed my memory today because I had a feeling somebody would ask about this. But uh, in 1997, the NWTF ran a study, and they estimated that, that there were 400 turkeys in the entire state of Michigan. 400. Mm. Um, and in 2017, I believe, there was an estimated, uh, it was over 250,000, I want to say it was around 300,000 turkeys in and, and, and 23 wow. years. Wow. Or I guess at the time it would have been 20 years. Um, and New Mexico, there used to be no turkeys in New Mexico. NWTF brought them back. Even in the southeast where there's a lot of turkeys, they did a lot in Mississippi and a lot in Alabama and a lot in Tennessee in my home state that they did it. They've done a, a lot to revitalize the turkey population. And so there's bringing, bringing a species from near extinction 
to an estimated seven million turkeys right in the u.s uh, is a is a feat in and of itself i thought and i and i've been an nwtf member longer long enough about about as far back as i could afford a membership i've been a member um because i i believe wholeheartedly in what they do to to preserve the sport that i love so much and another astounding fact about the nwtf is there are an estimated it's right around two million licensed turkey hunters in the u.s and there's only 250,000 nwtf members oh man that's and not good so numbers. It, 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 well, I mean, it's not, but at the same time, with, with the membership that they have and all the fundraising that they do, they've done a, a fantastic job with the resources that they have. Yeah. But I think we need, maybe need to bridge that gap a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean like you said, for the amount that, that's actually doing it, that's right. impressive, but it's right. not impressive how many, right. you know. When you, when, you, when you can see the potential that they, that they could have, I just, as a turkey hunter, I, it, it's, I mean, it's the same way as a duck hunter. I mean, right. a duck hunter, to me, it's hard to see someone not be a Ducks Unlimited or, or a Delta Waterfowl member. And as right. a turkey hunter, it's hard for me to see a turkey hunter not be an NWTF member. Yeah. And right. so, and it's 35 bucks for a year. You know, it's not like you have to fork over hundreds of dollars. It's, right. it's $35. And they actually give you $25 in a Bass Pro gift card if you do it right now on their website. So, yeah, you can't go wrong. You have no excuse. Go do well, it. Well, you're challenging me. You're challenging me to do it, so I'll go sign up today when I get done with here. I, like you said, I've always been a part of Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, and Cal Waterfowl, but right. that's where I've always invested my time. So I'm trying, right. to, I'm trying to make excuses is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that was great. That was, that was very interesting information. I'm sure we could spend a ton of time on that alone just – so you said that book was the Tenth Legend, Tenth Legion, yeah, Tenth Legion. It's, it's a it's a collector's item at this point. I hmm. mean, unless you buy the audio book, you're going to be looking at probably spending sixty or seventy dollars to get a copy wow. of it. Wow, it's a it's a fantastic book. Okay, it's an amazing book. Hmm. It's I mean, it's not a big book. It's maybe 100, 150 pages, but I mean, it's just it's it's another good book. Is the Ballad of a Ballad of a Turkey Hunter? I don't know if you've seen been on Instagram recently and seen the spring Legion. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're based out of Mississippi. Um, they're the guy that founded that wrote a book and I just got done reading it and it was, it was amazing. Hmm. And, I mean, it was, it's on Amazon. It was like 12 bucks or something like that. Okay. So Check that out. I, to, I'm not much of a reader. A lot of people don't think I can read, but <laughs> I, I read books if they're about turkeys. So, yeah. yeah, I totally know what you mean. I do like to read, but I, I don't take the time like I used to when I was younger to read. So yeah. I need to start. I've been, I've been, you know, I just set a goal. Hey, these five books I'm going to read this year. I know that don't sound like much, but it's better than what I was doing the last several right. years. So, yeah. All right. So this is a question I had, and actually the listeners had too. Um, because let me ex- give a little preface to this. So the question is, at what point do you move spots? And so my right. preface to that is, I am. That's why I like duck hunting because it's a fast-paced – like a lot of times I won't move spots a lot in duck hunting unless I see birds landing somewhere. So I understand mm-hmm. you got to sit there. But on turkey hunting, the – the I mean, like, let me think of the right word. The allure of chasing them down is so strong in me. Like, okay, they're gobbling over there 150 yards away, and I think I can just make a, sn- a stock on them, and I think I can get closer to them. 
that's just me feeling that urge and not really knowing what I'm doing. So, right. but what the funny thing, what happened to me last year is I was sitting by this tree and uh, we had been calling at these couple gobblers that were a couple hundred yards away and they went budge. They already had some hens. It was first thing in the morning. And we sat there for like 30 minutes. I got impatient. I'm like, they're not going to move in. Let's just go. We'll come back later. Well, we ended up driving back right by the tree that we were sitting by. And there was two toms literally standing 10 yards from it about an hour and a half later. And I thought to myself, if I would have just waited, and I've, I've been You're watching guys it, yeah. how they stayed two, two and a half hours. I'm like, man, I mean, if that's what works, I want, yeah. I'll do it. But I want to know why and when. Like, when... At what point do you know, okay, it's time to pick it up and move? Yeah. So that's actually, so people that will stay put two, two and a half hours uh, are either one or two people. One, they're either going to sit there and deer hunt them, like wait for them to walk by, maybe call every now and then, um, or and they got decoys set out, or two, they hunted with my dad. Uh, <laughs> my dad is, he, it's a very it's a very old school tactic. Um, okay. A lot of old school turkey hunters say that if you yelp three times and he gobbles at you he knows you're there and he will be there eventually he could mm. be there he could be there right now he could be there at lunchtime you know he i mean it, it really really and truly the only definitive answer that i have for that question is it depends mm. it really does depend on what mood he's in um i can go both ways i can sit and stay put for a couple hours and wait for him to come if i think he's coming or if I think he's going somewhere else, I'm going to him. Um, so I'm not the greatest turkey caller in the world, but in terms of aggression, in terms of level of aggression, I make up for it in the way that I cover ground. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm by no means a world champion. Um, I can make turkey sounds. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm good enough to kill a turkey, but I will not. I'm not good enough to grace the stage at the Grand National Champions. I can promise you that. Yeah. But. Like I said, I know that I'm not going to be able to sweet talk one as effectively as one potentially could. And so instead of having him cover the ground, I'm going to cover the ground. And so if, if I know that he's not coming or if I have a pretty, pretty damn good guess that he's not coming, I'm going to go to him. Hmm. If that makes sense. And so it really depends. Okay. If he's so hot like and bothered, if he's hot and bothered and, and he likes what I'm saying to him, and I can tell that he's getting closer and closer, my, I'm going to be planted right where I'm at. But okay. if he's got one walking away from me, or if I know he's got hens and the hens are taking him somewhere else, I'm going to go try and come home. You are going to move in? Yes. Okay. Maybe not necessarily move in, but reposition in a way that I can maybe, maybe change the way that he could come to me or quite literally get in between of him and where he's going. Hmm. Okay. That makes some more sense to me because I'm thinking like just going a direct line at them, but you're thinking more like, okay, if they're working away from me, I'm going to swing way out around and get in their line of direction. Right. Okay. Right. I know that sounds yeah. common sense when I say it now, but I don't think about that in the field not having experience, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is you, could, they, you can't make a turkey do anything. Right. The only thing you can make a turkey do is run the other way. I mean, Will Primos has said it, said it best. I mean, what's a turkey got to do, you know? He ain't got a time clock. He ain't got dentist appointments. He ain't got a hot date. I mean, he a turkey's gonna turkey, and and he'll do it when he wants to do it. And so, and and if he's gonna, if he recognizes that you're somewhere, he's like, okay, I know she's over there, but I'm gonna go eat first. He's gonna go eat, then he's gonna come back to you. I mean, he, all he knows is that when the sun comes up, he he jumps out of a tree, and then when the sun goes down, he's gonna jump back in the tree. 
That's, that's, so I mean, that's true. all he's got to do. Yeah, he, like he, it's so annoying watching him because he just nothing. strut, 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 yep. peck, strut. It's like, all right, dude, you know, we're in a mindset. You call, you come, let's kill you. Let, right. <laughs> but it don't it definitely does not work it like does that. Not work. And another thing, another thing that, that people maybe don't realize is that when you step you're you're when you are trying to call to him and get him to come to do come to you you are reversing the laws of nature mm-hmm. I've heard because it, in nature, she goes to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go to her. Hmm. And so you're already behind the eight ball. As soon as you say, I'm going turkey hunting huh. because yeah. you you are, you are trying to mindset got to come to me and you're already, you're already fighting an uphill battle at that point. And so being able to trick him into going against his instinctual <clears throat> mindset of she's got to come to me and doing something that he doesn't normally do and trying to trick him, trick his ears and his eyes, trick his two biggest defense systems into doing something that he's never done before is, is why it is so difficult. And that's why there's, there's, there's no definitive answer because one, ter- that one long beard is not the same as another long beard. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great answers. That was a good conversation. Um, okay, the next one. Uh, I kind of say it moves it moves uh, in the same direction. Um, how do you find turkeys in a new area? That was another question. Mm. Was asked. Okay. Uh, so I've actually done a lot of a lot of finding this out on my own here recently. So we're all going to learn together. Um, so. I've been trying, I've had the goal in mind of trying to kill turkeys in as many states, many different states as I can. Mm -hmm. If it just so happens that I get the U.S. slam, great, Peachy King, that's awesome. I'm just trying to kill as many as I can. So I've done a lot of internet scouting. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm getting on OnX, I'm looking Google Maps, I'm trying to find public land spots, and I'm looking for specific things that would tell me that that looks like turkey habitat Mm -hmm. on a satellite image. This is without whether this is without going there without laying eyes on or anything. On a satellite image, I'm going to look for. I mean, I'm, you're, you're looking for their essentials. You're looking for places for them to sleep, Trees. places for them to eat, okay, and then places for them to drink water. If you find water, you're probably going to find turkeys. If you find water in trees, you're probably going to find turkeys. Because if they got a place to sleep and a place to eat and a place to do their thing, then then they're more than likely going to be there. Mm. Um, another thing that is kind of hard to judge on a satellite image is nesting habitat because they like to nest in real thick stuff so that, you know, nothing can find them while they're sitting on their eggs and, and all that. Um, that thickets is, the thickets are tough to find on a satellite image. That's more something that I'm looking for while I'm physically scouting an area. And that really doesn't come into play until later in the season. That's maybe getting a little too far down the rabbit hole, but, um, in terms of internet scouting, I'm looking for I'm looking for places to sleep, places to eat, and places to drink water. Um, places to eat could be anything from from hardwood a hardwood ridge where there's acorns, uh, an open field where there could be bugs, where there could be seeds, you know, things that that birds eat. But uh, I would say the biggest two are would be water and trees, especially out there out west where you are, where trees aren't as common as they are in the in the south where I'm at because there's 
hardwood trees everywhere and pine trees everywhere here, um, especially in Oklahoma and, mm. and in Texas where I've got where I might be going in Kansas. There's not as many trees, and so that's something that I was looking for out there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, because. I was doing some of my own scouting. I was actually looking in Oregon. I think I was texting you about that. And yeah. I was I just basically went straight to Pub Glen and I just started looking like you said on Onyx and looking um on the satellite images trying to cuz like I said, I know how to scout for animals. It doesn't mean I technically right. know. I know what turkey country looks like that I've hunted turkeys in. So I basically was trying to do my best I could do like you said by looking at that, but one thing I was reading, because I was reading that how we um, we actually have the the Rio Grande turkey, mm-hmm. and we have the what's the other one we have? The Miriams. The Miriams, and yeah. I was just reading at what this likes, what they like to eat, how, what kind of place, and it was talking about you need to find at least be within a quarter of a mile of water. Mm-hmm. So that was something I learned just by doing my own research, and then you confirm it by right. what you're saying right now. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, so that 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 I would cover that as internet scouting. If if you're not, if you're not at a place financially or freedom wise that you can go across state lines and go try places that you've never done before, which I highly recommend. It's a lot of fun going and hunting places you never mm-hmm. hunted before. Yep. Whether it's for turkey or for deer or for or for ducks or whatever, it's really cool to go see new country. Mm-hmm. Even I mean, even if you're going down the road to where you're at. Uh, there is no better scouting tactic than putting boots on the ground, hands down. If you can put, if you can lay your eyes on it and cover ground and cover as much ground as possible, that's that's the best way you're going to be able to find turkeys. Yeah, you find you find strut zones, you find in roost trees, you find it. If you, I mean, even the bare minimum turkey scouting you could do is go to a place, go to a piece of property, and just listen at first day for at daylight, and if they're gobbling. Bingo! You you found turkeys. I mean, yeah. and, and you can't do that on on X. That'd be cool if you could, but you hmm. can't do that on on X. But um, you know, scratching in the leaves where they're where they're trying to find food, uh, big opens fields where they can go strut, um, going and listening for them. Like I said, there's a lot of lot of different things that you can do by putting your eyes on a place and then putting boots on the ground. But biggest of which would be to go and listen. Yeah. especially if it's a place that you've never been before, go and listen. And this is actually a tactic that I picked up from uh, the hunting public that they talk about when they go scouting. Um, Aaron Warbritton will actually go to a place that he, if he's never been there before, he'll go to a place and he'll stand in one, and he'll get it to a spot and listen at when they're, when it's, when they're in the morning. And if he hears one gobble, he'll drop a pin and go somewhere completely opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And, he'll, and he'll find it and he'll find another one that he can and he can mark and he'll find another one he basically what he's trying to do is he's trying to find as many turkeys as he as he can granted he's he's doing that because he's got a fixed amount of time that he's going to be there before he's got to go to the next state however if you're someone that wants to kill more than one turkey or wants to take more people the more turkeys you got to hunt the better chance you got to kill more turkeys oh, exactly <laughs> you don't go travel out of state and find one field of ducks and then just lock all your all your eggs in yep. that basket. You go find right. – that's exactly the same as ducks. You literally go yep. find four or five exactly. spots in one day. Mm-hmm. You take that day, and then the next day you yep. start hunting. That's yep. actually good. That's a great tip. Yeah, when he, when he said that, I was just kind of – I'd always grown up, grown up learning you never leave turkeys to find turkeys. And Aaron Warbritton is literally leaving turkeys to go find turkeys. Mm. And it's just – 
it's it's a foreign concept, but when you think about it in terms of scouting, it's a it's a great it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing amazing tactic that you can use. Well, now, Craig, if he was if I was hunting with him and he heard one turkey gobble and went somewhere else, I'd be like this dude lost his mind. <laughs> since he's scouting, it's a it's 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 a pretty good tactic. But like you said, too, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, you know, so they jump out of the tree. They're usually with hens. It's hard to pull them away because they're with the hens. And later that morning when the hens go nest, that's another great opportunity, right, to Absolutely. do some damage. So, Absolutely. I mean, you got yeah. all these, you know, not that you want to do mark locations every single day like this method you're saying that Aaron uses. But, man, mm. like if you nail down five, six spots – I mean, you can do your midday hunting, and then you've got mm-hmm. three or four days that you've got spots raised. That's what it's. Yep. It, it's yep. So That's I appreciate. Exactly right. I appreciate you bringing that one up because I'm definitely yep. going to use that one for sure for myself. Yep, I'm going to use it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, all right, here's another one, and then I'll have to do a little uh, adjustment on my camera here in a second. But will a 20 gauge with with a fixed full choke get the job done? Uh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually the, the gun that I grew up. Not only did I grow up shooting it, but the gun that I shoot now is a, is a, is a flush mount full choke on a double barrel. Oh, um, nice. and so, I mean, it, I will say I, I shoot a Jeb's choke out of my girlfriend's shotgun and that is a mean SOB. I've shot an Indian Creek out of my 12 gauge and that is a mean choke. You don't need a big – it certainly helps to have a, a, an extended choke like that, a real tight constriction. It certainly helps. It'll saw one's head off. But I've also killed a good number of turkeys using a, using a, fixed, a fixed full, a fixed modified. Um, the, the flush mount full I've got in my double barrel killed three last year. Um, it's, it's, all about, it's all about where you put it and how close he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and now a lot, a lot of it has to do with the shell that you use, but I mean, I, I, I got bit by the tungsten bug two years ago mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm, and I'm never letting go of it. I mean, right. I know it's expensive. It are you, are you using the TSS? Oh yeah. Yeah. The full, the, fe- the full, yeah, the, the, I, I 18. The federal, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, before federal came out with their TSS, I actually, and I, I still use this in my 12 gauge heavy shot Magnum blend. Yeah, I'm That's looking at it. I'm looking at it in my closet right now. <laughs> the heavy shot Magnum blend in a three or three and a half will flat saw one's head off. It's mm. done it countless times for me. Um, but with this new with the this new tungsten craze that's come out with 20 gauges and and the my girlfriend's got a 20 uh, uh, SX4 20 gauge and then mm. I've got my Stoger double barrel that's a 20 gauge and it's just i mean it does it <laughs> it, get, it certainly gets the job done yeah what do you think they're effective out to i know people will get, wonder that and oh, ask gosh. that in their minds i mean um, I, I know that's all about being ethical and stuff like that so i don't yeah. really like asking that question but i yeah. i also don't want people trying it out too far either you know what i mean yeah right yeah i mean girl when i was a kid turkey hunting you never i was my dad would would tan my hide if he found out that I shot at a turkey over over thirty five or forty yards. Mm-hmm. Not two of the turkeys that I saw die last year died at forty five yards, and they were both with a twelve with a twenty gauge. Mm. And I'm not and I'm not talking about like one single pellet hit the right spot at the right time. I'm talking about he hit the ground and didn't move. Mm. 
which is something that like and and I my dad grew up old school turkey hunting, so it, that's what I was taught. Right, and that's how that's still ain't the way nothing that wrong I with hunt. that. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and way what I always taught is if you shot one and he hit the ground, you get up and you run to him and you put his foot on his head because mm. when my dad was growing up, they used to shoot real light loads. And quite literally, it would knock the turkey out, and you had to get to him before he wake woke up and took off running wow. the other way. Mm. And so, um, and so when you put your foot on their head, and they get to flop it, and actually breaks their neck and then kills them. Mm. When I was a kid, we, I was shooting heavy shot, um, had Magnum Blend twenty gauge, and then um, Nitro Winchester Nitro or Winchester Longbeard XR, I think is what they're called. Anyway. Uh, certain, I mean, more than enough to kill a turkey, but that's just what we were always taught. It's, it's instinctual now. And like the first one I shot last year was at 40 yards and I shot it with my 20 gauge and that, and that flush mount full choke. And I ran up to him like, how I always do it. I put my foot on his head and he didn't move. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this stuff is legit. <laughs> yeah. We were, we, I, uh, we shot, I killed my, uh, turkey last year with that heavy 18 same thing tss it's just yeah, heavy yeah. shots yeah, playing heavy shots yeah, man yeah. it's like you said it was like oh, oh you almost feel bad yeah i mean you're like oh my lord that thing just right. about chop his head right. off you know it's oh yeah goodness yeah gracious. i mean and that and that's and you're talking about an effective range that depends on the how the gun and the choke behave in your gun mm -hmm. with that flush mount full choke i was pushing it at 40 yards but he boogered he, he saw something that he didn't like or didn't see something that he didn't like and, uh, and he started, I mean, he came out of strut and folded his wings. I'm like, all right, like now I got to shoot him. I, I, me personally, I don't like shooting them if they're outside of 30 yards. That's mm -hmm. just the way that I hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like them in the, I like them in the pump house. Yeah, but, oh yeah. uh, I mean a three and a half inch load in a tungsten, uh, actually matter of fact, my dad shoots a, a flush mount full choke out of his Benelli. And he swears by the Magnum blends three and a half. And I saw him fold one at 60 yards, like five or six years ago. Wow. And again, I mean, that one boogered too. I'd already shot one and this one was running away from us. And so he pulled up and shot. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, I know it's not like, yeah. It, that I mean, ain't common occurrence. I mean. Right. Yeah. No, we don't, that we, we like shooting them close. Yeah. Um, in terms of effective range, it really depends. Uh, I would highly recommend patterning your shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing the effective range of your gun and knowing how far and how, how tight a pattern you have at what range or whatever, uh, by and large, you're going to be effective within 40 yards. Uh, if you're shooting a tighter constriction than a modified in any Turkey load, you're probably going to be effective out to 40, 30, 35 yards. Um, especially now with the tungsten, since it holds a, a tighter pattern than the lead, even if it's the same choke tungsten comes out tighter than lead I, I couldn't tell you why i just know i mm. just that's just what i've been told mm. um so it all depends but uh, i mean you won't know my gun may shoot dif different than your gun your gun may shoot different than right. travis's you know it all it all depends right all right so our next question this is kind of mine mixed with someone else's i kind of conglomerated it together when and when not to use decoys i mean do you use decoys every single time or do sometimes you don't Okay, so um, this is actually, I got to walk, I got to walk kind of tender-footed around this one because a lot of arguments come up with, uh, come, come with this question. Uh, so personally, if I had the choice, I'm not toting a decoy. Really? A couple reasons. Um, number one, I 
upon a lot of public land, not a lot of public land. I hunt a good amount of public land and those turkeys have seen, seen it all. They've mm-hmm. seen full strutters. They've seen avian. I mean, they've seen every, every decoy you can purchase at a Bass Pro Shops. They've seen it. And I grew up hunting a lot of public land. And so I've had a lot more hunts that get boogered because of decoys than not. With mm-hmm. that being said, I'm not opposed to using them whatsoever. I mean, if I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those, I'm not a purist that, that will, that will dog you for using a decoy. Mm. Any good turkey hunter knows that you need to adapt and overcome to kill a turkey. If a decoy helps me to kill a turkey, I might do it. Right. Depends on the situation, but I might do it. Also, another reason why is I cover a lot of ground when I turkey hunt. Um, if, if I'm hunting a place that I've, that I've never been before, or even if it's the place that I'm on over by the Tennessee river, um, I, I mean, it's, it's nothing for me to walk five, six miles in a day, mm-hmm. just trying to find one. And so then that's just one more thing for me to carry. Um, and so that's something that I don't use a lot. Like I said, I have used them before. I'm not opposed to using them. If, if, it, if the situation calls for it, then I, then I would, then I would might use one. Um, now I have a lot of buddies that 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 swear by de- using decoys, like they won't go to the woods without them, and they kill turkeys. They kill they kill them about as about as much as I do, but it's just not something that I'm used to doing. Nor is it really it doesn't necessarily agree with the way that I turkey hunt. Mm. Um, so let's see that that one of those books I was telling you about, the Ballad of a Turkey, and Hunter Ferry wrote it. Um, he talks about it. He actually talks about this in his book. To him, there's two methods of turkey hunting. There's persuasion and there's curiosity. Curiosity is, is pers- persuasion is trying to talk him into coming over here with, his, with, I mean, basically throwing the kitchen sink at him, calling a lot, using a decoy, you know, giving him something tangible that he can grab onto. Curiosity is when you're trying to get him to come to somewhere where there's, where he has to trust his, you know, or actually throw away his trust of it, of his, of his instincts and go look at something because he's curious. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Huh? So, and that's the way that I do it. Okay. What now, if you were to use a decoy and like you said, you have, it's not that you're totally against it, but yeah, if right. you were to pick, because I, cause I'm I, the I same way. I, own one, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm the same way though. Like I, I'm going to cover a lot of ground and when I do and I'm like, man, not, I don't, I'm already carrying camera gear. So to be honest oh, with yeah, you, yeah. if I could kill him without it, I'll just pick not just for the fact mm-hmm. of I don't want to carry less, more than I have to. to okay. Right. But yeah. if I was to carry a hen, a Jake, or a gobbler, what one of those three would be my best bet? A hen. Hen, okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's the that's the one decoy that I do own, and if I'm gonna take it, it's gonna be a hen. Okay. Um I've I, I've never been a big fan of Jake decoys or, or gobbler decoys because the times that I have used them, um a hunt has been boogered because of decoys more than it has been boogered not because of decoys. I will give you a prime example of this. Um so I guess it was two years. Yeah, it was two years ago, opening weekend in Mississippi. I was with a buddy of mine at his place. Um, kind of is right, basically right in the middle of the state, um, kind of east of Jackson. And um, we had hunted. We had hunted that Saturday morning, and we'd heard a turkey gobble up the creek bottom from us, and we couldn't get on him. He had hens with him, and they took him off somewhere else. And so we got where he. We thought he was roosted. Um, 
the next morning, the Sunday morning, we got where we, we thought he was roosted, and he was one ridge up from us, up the creek bottom from us. And so we readjusted, got in the field, and he's one of the guys that swears by using decoys. And so his place, he hunts these turkeys a lot more than I do. You know, I was, I was, I'm on board with it. And so we, he had a half strut Jake and a hen, and he put them out there in the field. And this turkey flies down. We call to him. He gobbles at us. He actually walks like eight steps behind us in the woods. And I can hear him spitting and drumming. This is pre-Tetra, mm-hmm. so they had to be close for me to, for for them for me to hear him spitting and drumming. And I'm telling you, it was it was rattling the teeth in my skull. And he loops around us, and he gets into the field, and the and the Jake and the hen were out in front of me. He's actually filming this, and the Jake and the hen were actually out in front of me on the other side of this little knoll in the field. And this longbeard gets in the field, and he's like a half strut walking into the field. He sees that he knows the hen decoys there, and he gets on the high side of the field, and he sees that Jake decoy, and he tucks his wing and 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 puts and starts running off. Hmm. And, and and I mean, he was on board. He was about he was about to get a he was about to get a free dirt nap and he saw that Jake decoy folded his wings and took off the other way. Hmm. And I, and I don't know if, if, if he'd seen that Jake decoy before, I don't know if, if he got his butt whipped and, and didn't want to get his butt whipped again and took off. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Hmm. All I know is, is that Turkey had never been seen again after that. (laughs) Um, and and so, like I said, it, it, it really depends but if I were to take one, I'm taking a hen because that's obviously what I'm trying to yeah. trying to be. Mm-hmm. And so if I if if I'm in a big field or if I'm hunting a field or if I if it's if I know he's gonna fly down out in a field, I want to give him something to look at. Mm-hmm. I hunt the woods a lot, um, and so and it's not necessarily thick woods, but you can't see very far. Mm-hmm. And so there's really no need for me to have a decoy because if he can see where I would put the decoy, he's in range. Right, and so there's really no use for a decoy in the woods. But if I'm hunting a field, actually, matter of fact, a, one of my buddies that I'm on this lease with in, in West Tennessee, he, uh, the first turkey he shot two years ago, we actually had three decoys out, and it was in a blind in a field with three decoys out. It felt gross, it felt wrong, but we killed the turkey. I mean, at the at the, at the end of the day, we killed him, and I don't yeah. think we would have killed him if we didn't have the decoys. Um, he kind of he kind of came in the field at a half strut, just kind of like heard a hen, not all that interested. And then he saw the he saw the half strut decoy, half strut Jake decoy, and he came over there to whip his butt. Mm, yeah, and he got he got a head full of Magnum blend. <laughs> and that's the and, and so, that's the chance you're taking, I guess, right? You yeah, you don't absolutely. know it, it may is. tick them off and they come in like. A, a right. freight train or and they, they may come, take off. They come in like a TV show or they, yeah. and then they, they may fold their wings and, and, and booger off. I mean, it really, and at the same time, I'm not saying that, that not hunting with decoys is foolproof. Like I said, one of the ones I shot last year, he got to 40 yards and was like, uh, I don't see anything. I'm out, you know, mm. if, and, and that's the thing about, that's the, that's the, that's the decision that you're making not using decoys is if he comes in and he doesn't see what he wants to see, he's gone. And, and, and I mean, if there's something that makes him feel uncomfortable, he's out, he's not going, he's not going to fool with it. Yeah. And so it's, it's really, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. Me personally, I don't, there's people that do that kill him. I mean, it, it, it all depends. All right. What, what about a mouth call or hand call like Slater box mouth or Slater box? 
Uh, yes. The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it dep- I mean, it's one of those, another, it's another one of those. It depends. Um, I'm my, my go-to is going to be a mouth call. Um, it used to not be that way. I used to not be able to not be able to use one. Um, it wasn't until probably within the last four or five years that I really started to learn how to use one. Um, I use a, I use a houndstooth game call. It's the KB hen. It is one of the cleanest, most turkey-like mouth calls I've ever used in my life. It's amazing. Um, and it's a bat wing cut. It's my favorite cut. Another good call company is 18 Feathers. Uh, it was started by a buddy of mine. He lives in East Tennessee, but the company is based in, in South Alabama. Uh, Weston Bryan, he's an outdoor photographer, and he does, he does amazing work. And I got a couple of his calls, and they sound amazing too. Um, I, I like it because it's hands-free. Yeah. Um, if, if he's coming in close, I don't want to have to worry about balancing a gun on my knee and my shoulder while I'm running a box call or running a slate call. I want to be able to have both hands on the gun, head on the head on the stock, ready to go if he comes in. And so, if I need to if I need to cluck or if I need to cut to get him to pick his head up or to get him to cover those last ten or fifteen yards, then I can do it with mm-hmm. my head on the gun without having to take my hands off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, like I was uh, talking about before, I'm not that great on a mouth call. And so, if 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 I can help it, I'm going to use a box call or a slate call. Because those have a little bit, unless you're unless you're Dave Owens or Josh Grossenbacher, Grand National Champion, and you and you can, and you can make a turkey call out of a blade of grass. That's different. <laughs> um, more often than not, you're going to be able to make a more more realistic sound on a box call or a mm-hmm. slate call. And so, if I, if I'm trying to a locate one or b if he's a good ways off or or if I'm calling for somebody else, I'm probably going to use a slate call or a box call. Um, that one that I called up for, go ahead. Well, here's my question, William. So I know you've heard this a lot probably, but I hate this, but mouth calls make me gag so bad. I cannot, I bought another one. I'm like, I'm trying every year I buy one and try it again. I'm like, I can't stink and do it. I've even cut them down and I'm like, it irritates me because I know I understand and grasp, you know, you can't always move your hands and do a slate call Mm -hmm. or do the box call if they're getting in a certain Mm -hmm. point. So it's like, do you have any advice or suggestions, or are you just telling me I'm hosed if I can't do a mouth call? Oh no, you're not hosed. No. Um, to make you feel better, you're you're not alone. Um, a guy by the name of Cuz Strickland. I don't know if you've ever heard of that name before. Uh, big Masio guy, big big film guy down at Masio. Mm-hmm. He he was with Will Primos when he started all that. Um, he actually couldn't use a mouth call to start off with because it made him gag too. Um, best thing I can tell you to, to get better at it is fight through it. Really? Um, cut, cut to tape. I've seen people use a mouth call that it has nothing but the frame. I mean, make it as small as you can, as long as you can make it, as long as you can make a turkey sound, it don't matter how big it is. Mm. Um, I've got a pretty, pretty big mouth in case you can't tell by the fact (laughs) that I'm just rambling on this podcast, but, um, I got a pretty big mouth and so I don't have to trim mine down, um, some of my buddies do have to trim them down. I mean, it, don't don't feel bad about not being able to use one because you gag. That, that's that's actually pretty common, believe it or not. But the best best tip that I can give you based on that is is fight through it. I mean, it's going to you will adjust eventually. it. You think? Yeah, because I I don't want to say I had a gag reflex to it, 
But when I first started, I was in, I was in late high school and, and about to go off to college when I really started to use it. And I didn't have a gag reflex, but it was extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you kind of have like you kind of feel it coming. Well, it's the like buzzing too that won't come. Yeah, and the buzzing. You know, when you're trying to do it, just that. I don't know. Like when I say buzzing, I don't even know if that makes sense to you. But when you're, it's obviously because I don't know how to blow. It's the biggest factor. But yeah. you know, it's just when you're put when you're putting that pressure. Because I used to try to do it for elk too, but it was mm-hmm. the same thing. I always out, end up having to do the the elastic calls because mm-hmm. the um, the reeds would just gag me. Mm-hmm. So I'll, you know, it just I mean, if you're saying that, I totally believe you. Like there is things you can train your body. If if you're saying push yeah, through it, I truly it's, believe it's something that. that if you really, if it's something that you really want to do yeah. and you really want to get through, you might you're just gonna have to fight through it. I just mean, throw it in every day and just force through yeah. it. Yeah. 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 All right, I think we Actually, got. I, I listened to I listened to Coach Strickland talk about it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, he was like, he was saying that um, on his on his last podcast, he had Paul Butsky on there, and he was talking about how when he was trying to use a mouth call, he actually punched a hole in it and tied dental floss to it. And when he would start, he would start trying to make noise on it, and he could feel a gag coming. He'd yank it out of his mouth, <laughs> and then he would let it go away. Then he would put the call back in, and he'd start going, and the gag would come back, and he'd pull it out of his mouth. So oh. the guy, he eventually worked through it. I mean, he's he he can kill a turkey. So, so he I, he I, he conquered it, huh? Oh yeah, he conquered it. Oh, that gives mm-hmm. me hope. I, yeah. I got to do it. As yeah. long as I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, I'll push through there it. I don't mind light. that. All right, there is a light. <laughs> well, we got time for one more question. We're going to be getting close to our hour mark here, not very long from now. So I want to get the rest of these questions. It's kind of a tough one, I guess, probably, but why aren't they always responsive to calls? I don't know exactly who asked this one. They said even without hen, they won't gobble. That's kind that, of that that depends. One of the biggest one of the biggest tactics that I learned as a as a turkey hunter and, and it's a huge, huge benefit to know this, you have to be able to take it's called taking a turkey's temperature. Um, it's, it's, it's gauging how he's feeling and gauging how, how he responds to what's going on around him. Um, so I'll give you, I'll give you a, a hypothetical situation. Let's say I'm walking in the woods and there's two turkeys gobbling. There's one turkey that gobbled one time, right at around fly down time and he hit the ground and I called to him and it almost felt like I had to squeeze the gobble out of him. Like I really had to, you know, pop, pop, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, pop, 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 and really try to get the gobble out of him, and then he gobbled. So that's that's Turkey A. Okay. Turkey B is blowing the leaves off the trees. He's running the bark thin on the tree limb that he's on. Every every noise that I make, he's gobbling at me, um, and he flies down and and he's shaking the ground and and cutting me off and all that. That turkey is in the mood to get killed. There's an old boy named Ben Rogers Lee out of Alabama. He's a he's a very well known. He's passed on back in the '90s, but he's a very well known turkey guru ahead of his time. He's he's the grand he's the father of modern turkey hunting is what they call him. They always he always called it in the mood to get killed. Will Primos calls it taking their temperature. Ben Rogers Lee calls it in the mood to get killed. Um, if he's not even if he's with hens or without hens, if he's not gobbling. There's something going on that he's not ready. He's not ready to get killed. Hmm. 
So he, he's not in the mood to he's not in the mood to chase hens. It may be really windy. It may be raining. It may be cold. It may be it may be unseasonably cold. It could have rained on him the night before. There's any number of things that could turn a turkey off. Mm. Um, but you really just have to you just really have to let him let him dictate the intensity of the hunt. Because like I said, if Turkey A, if I'm having to squeeze the gobble out of him, I'm not going to go cutting and cackling and, and, and covering ground on him. I'm going to leave him alone and let him do what he wants to do. And now this other one and this other one that's blowing the leaves off the trees, I may have a little bit of fun with him before I kill him. Because if, if a turkey's doing that, you ought, you ought to be able to kill him. Hmm. And, it's all, and it's all about gauging how they respond to everything. And, and how fired up they are, how many hens they have, if they have hens, what time of the day it is. You know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. How close are you getting to the roost? Uh, that, yourself that, up also in the okay. that also depends. That also depends. I don't want to get too close. Um, if I know where he's at, like if I know the exact tree that he's in, I might might push the envelope and get in there real early. If I feel like that he's he's gonna go, if he's got a field that he's going to that I can't, that's on private land or that's off of my property or whatever, if I know he's going there, I'm probably gonna get a little aggressive in my setup. Um, more often than not, I I, I don't roost turkeys. Um, it's not it's not necessarily something that I don't like to do. It's just that I, I just never do it. Um, if more often than not, I'm just gonna go in the woods and just listen. I may know where the general area one's going to be, um, I, but I, very rarely do I know the exact tree that one is in. And if I'm just going in there blind, I don't know if there's any turkeys and there's one goblin, I, I'll probably, I'll say I'll probably get as close as I feel comfortable that I don't feel like I'm going to spook him. You're saying if you don't know what tree he's in? Right. Okay, because that's, like, like that's a, like I'm not I, asking. Let's say, let's say yeah. for instance, I go to, I go to Kentucky in April and I go to a block of woods and that I've never been to before, and I hear one gobble, there's a lot of people that won't get anywhere within 300 yards of him, that they'll let him fly down and let it do his thing. Mm-hmm. I, I like to get a little bit closer. Um, like I said, about 200, 250 yards, close enough where I feel like I'm, I'm in his wheelhouse, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to spook him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to blow him off the tree limb. Okay. Um, but it all depends. There's actually, I accidentally got within like 60 yards of one last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we did it. We ended up killing him by the grace of God. I mean, he, I was, that's actually, if we got time, I'd love to tell you this story because this is an amazing story. We yeah, we time? got, we got seven minutes. Can you all pull right, it off? We'll, we'll cap it up. Well, I, I'll, I can do it in seven minutes. Right. Okay. So, so there's this guy that I go to church with and he has two boys and, and they're big duck hunters, they're big bass fishermen, big deer hunters. They're not really big turkey hunters. Um, and and I'd already killed – I killed two in the first week of the season. And the youngest one, uh, Bennett – not Bennett, Corbin, um, messaged me on Instagram and said, uh, I want to go turkey hunting with a professional turkey hunter. And I was like, well, I'm no professional, but I'd love to take you, Corbin. And so I called his dad, and I was like, hey – like I want it. Let's let's get let's get Bennett and Corbin in the turkey woods. He's like, all right, cool, let's do it. He said Bennett's up first because Bennett's the middle one. Braden's the oldest. He killed one. Bennett's the middle. He hadn't killed one yet. So Bennett's first, then it's Corbin. And so we go to go to um, one of John's pieces of property that they deer hunt at, and they never turkey hunted there. He don't even know if turkeys exist on this property. And it's like 
mid forties, windy. It had rained the whole day before, mm. like less than ideal turkey hunting conditions. And I, and Bennett and Corbin are getting ready on the other side of the truck, and I grab, I grab John, and I'm like, hey, like this is not really great, not really great weather situation for turkey mm-hmm. hunting. He's like, I'm like, we may not hear anything, we may not see anything, even if there are turkeys here. Like we might just be walking through the woods today. And he's like, no, no, that's fine. We're just happy to be here. I'm like, that's cool. That's the exact mentality that we need to have on a day like today because mm-hmm. we might just we might be getting breakfast in an hour. Um, and uh, we walk out in this cow pasture and we're just sitting there talking and, and whatever. And one gobble is like 150 yards from us right inside the tree line of the cow pasture that we're in. It's a big, like 10 acre cow pasture. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm like, Oh, we got to go. Like <laughs> we got, we got to get in his wheelhouse because we're standing in the middle of a cow field mm-hmm. and I'm sure that he can see us. And so we book it to the tree line. We cross, like I said, the wind's blowing decent, decent, probably 15 miles an hour. Um, and wind's blowing. We get in the woods. We cross the fence. We get set up. I got Bennett sitting next to me, and Corbin and John are like 20, 20 yards behind us. And uh, this is the turkey just gobbled the one time. And I'm like, I wonder how close we are. And about that time, he gobbled like 50 yards from us. And I'm like, oh no, we got way too close. And I don't and he's know. He's in the tree, we, roost tree still. He's 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 still in the tree. Yeah, he's still in the oh. tree. This is the second time he's gobbled. Um, and and I'm like, oh, we got way too close to him. Like I can hear him spitting and drumming in the tree, oh, wow. and I can hear him walking. And I could hear him strutting. He could go into strut and come out of strut, thanks mm-hmm. to my my touch your amp pods. But anyway, uh, I can hear him spitting and drumming and and rubbing the bark off the tree and gobbling. I mean shaking the fibers of your soul when he gobbles um like in the mood to get killed kind of turkey and i'm like i can't call to him this is another another thing if you call to it if you call too much to a turkey on the tree he'll sit there and wait for you to walk up to him because hmm. like i said like i was talking about before it's natural for the hen to go to him okay and so if if i'm calling too much while he's on the limb He's gonna sit there and wait for a hen to walk up. Mm. He ain't gonna fly down. And so, and so, but you I'm, do gotta I, let him know you're there, right? Correct. At some that's, point, that's another thing. That's another thing that old school turkey hunters do. They never. My dad will never call to a turkey on a tree limb. Me, I, I like to let him know that I'm there. Okay. I don't like to go over the top. I like to cluck tree up a couple of times. And if it's getting close to fly down, and he flies down, I'm gonna fly down. I'm gonna fly down. Cackle. I carry a wing with me. And I'll slap the tree, slap my leg, whatever. Speaking of the turkey wing, that's another amazing call. If you ever kill a turkey, um, cut the cut the end of his wings off, like the last five or six feathers, tie a piece of paracord to it, and that's an amazing turkey call. Really? It just in terms of in terms of realism, scra- scratching in the leaves, um, just make it sound like a turkey flying down. Um, if a if a hen stretches her wings and kind of, you know, rubs it on the ground, rubs it on the trees around, or whatever. And so, like I was saying, back to the story before I run down the rabbit hole too fast. So we're 50 yards from this turkey. He's he is gobbling his head off. Bennett is is just coming unglued that this is the first turkey he's ever been on, and this turkey is like 50 yards from us and and knocking the hat off his head. And and I'm like, well, I can't call to him because he's just gonna sit there and and wait for me to walk up. And so this is another tip that Will Primos, um told me at an old turkey show one time when I was a kid. 
about the, about the wing. He said, if you ever, if you're ever too close to a Turkey on a tree, he said, take that wing and rub it up against the tree behind you because it sounds like a hen waking up and stretching her wings. And, you know, it, like I said, it just adds an element of realism to it. And so I take that wing and I kind of gently rub it against the tree behind me. And no sooner did I set it down, this Turkey comes kamikaze through the trees and lands 20 yards from us. Oh my word. And he's like, and he's looking for us. I'm like, Bennett, do you see him? He goes, yeah. I said, kill him. And he, he made that turkey do a backflip, and we started hooping and hollering. And, and it's <laughs> That's just, awesome. I mean, uh, oh, man. That's cool. We got, done, we got done celebrating. I said, Bennett, I've been turkey hunting a long, long time. This is the first time this has ever happened, so don't get used to that. <laughs> this kid's just first that little hunt. brushing of the feathers just, on that. I'm tell, I, I did it. I hit it twice, set the wing down, and he came busting through the trees. What in the That's world? all it took. That turkey was in the mood to get killed. Good grief. Yep. So you just you just you just raked it on that tree. As light as I could do it. What in the world? See, I I've went. Uh, Jeff Bryant is a real is uh, Travis's brother-in-law. And he's a turkey fanatic. He's been on the podcast too, and I've been out with him where he is barely when he's doing a slate call. I'm talking. Doot, doot. Yep. I mean, like, I'm like yep. thinking, Jeff, there ain't no way that cotton picker is gonna hear anything you're doing right now. Like, oh, it yeah. was so light, and they would yep. respond, and they'd be 300 yards away. I'm like, what in the world? Yep. These things must have ears, like. Oh, like you would not believe. That's tough. Man, that's tough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. Well, yep. that was a great, great story. They got me pumped up. That was a good story to end <laughs> on. You're you're definitely, dude, going to have to come back on. I'd, I'd kind of like to do, I don't know when your first turkey hunt is this year, but you need we need to get you on kind of mid, not mid-season, but throughout the season. Come on, and we can rehash some stories and see how things are going. And oh yeah, and stay up to date. Uh, yeah. So my first, my first official hunt. I'm actually I'm taking Corbin, the youngest son. So Bennett's younger brother. We're going on the Tennessee Juvenile Weekend, which is the 27th. I'm taking him and John again. Oh nice. Um, that's the that's the first official on the calendar hunt. Okay. Uh, I might I might get to go to Mississippi. Uh, I might get to go hunt Alabama. <laughs> But the first one for sure that I have is is the last weekend of March for the juvenile hunt here, and then That's next our weekend, too. yeah, and then next week, the next weekend, April third, Tennessee comes in. I'm gonna be hunting like a madman. How many? To, yeah, and then Kentucky rolls in a couple weekends after that. I'm going to Kentucky. I might go to, like I said, I might go to Texas and Oklahoma. I'm going to Arkansas. Like, oh man. I'm your, not job's, stay, your job's probably tight. pretty good. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm way <laughs> too excited for something that's coming in a month. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, it's not, hey, it's not a month. It's a little over three weeks. Let's just look at it uh, like that. Like you're right. 26 days in you're a week. Right. Or no, you're 25. Right. So we're getting close, man. It's not too far uh, away. Yeah, so all right, man. Well, let's stay in touch, and uh, we yeah. look forward to having you back on the show again. We'll have not some good problem, conversations. Dude. I got, dude. I got, I got stories for days, man. <laughs> we're, we're, I got stories. We're loving for days. to listen good to good ones and bad ones. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening in today. And this was William Frawley, one of the Tetra guys, and we're looking forward to having him back on the show. And thank you guys for listening today. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>